Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host, and I can't believe... I don't know if you can or not, but I certainly can't believe that we're already in the month of October. Time really does fly. It really, really does. I know it's like a cliche, but it truly does. Especially in the liturgical year of the church. You know, when you move through the feast days of the church, it's liturgical year, it's rhythm. It does move you along rather quickly, or so it seems. Maybe I'm just getting older or something. But we are in the month of October, and In the month of October, the first feast day that we have in the Byzantine liturgical calendar is a very interesting, a very unique one. It's called the Protection of the Mother of God. This happens on the very first day of October. Or in other words, it's called the Protecting Veil of the Most Holy Mother of God. And the whole subject of Mary's protection is one that is really worth taking up, especially now in our day and age. Because I do believe that we need to turn to the Mother of God with ever greater intensity and sincerity, especially now with the way that things are in the world in many ways. So let's look first of all at this feast day, October 1st, the protecting veil of the Most Holy Mother of God, or in other words, the protection of the Mother of God. This feast day, interestingly enough, started in the area of Constantinople and what is now modern-day Turkey. But eventually, the Greek church abandoned this feast day, or de-emphasized it, and this happened after they were overrun by Islam in the 15th century. But this feast day was retained and is retained largely by the Slavic-based Byzantine churches, such as my own. In fact, we have an icon of the protection of the God on our icon screen. Now, On the icon screen, we have the most prominent icons. In fact, on any icon screen, which is the separation between the sanctuary and the nave in Byzantine churches, it's a wall, basically, a decorative wall that goes from the floor to the ceiling with three sets of doors, and it is decorated with many icons. There are four major icons on those icon screens. One of those in my particular church of Annunciation in Homer Glen, Illinois, is the icon of the protection of the Mother of God. 
This is the only icon in which you will not see Jesus Christ present with the Mother of God. See, the thing about the icons of the Mother of God is they are always, they are always done in such a way as to depict a Mother of God with Christ, because Christ makes her who she is. And statement about the Mother of God is always a statement about Jesus Christ. You cannot speak about one without at the same time either implicitly or explicitly speaking about the other. So iconography, in its genius, in its pedagogical value, always puts the two together, except in this one icon of the protection of the Mother of God, because this icon is depicting an event that happened. It happened in what is now modern-day Turkey, but at that time, of course, it was the area near Constantinople. And as always, we like to refer, when it comes to some of our history, to that great book, the prologue from Okrid. It's also called the Synaxarian. And here's what the Synaxarian says for October 1st. It says, The church has always glorified the Most Holy Mother of God as the protectress and defender of the Christian people, entreating by her intercession God's loving kindness towards us sinners. The Mother of God's aid has been clearly shown times without number, both to individuals and to peoples, both in peace and in war, both in monastic deserts and in crowded cities. The event that the church commemorates and celebrates on October 1st proves this constant protection of the Christian people by the Mother of God. Now listen to this, it's an interesting date here. It was in the year 911. In the time of the Emperor Leo the Wise, or the philosopher, there was an all-night vigil at the Blasione Church of the Mother of God in Constantinople. Now, I had the privilege of being there a couple of times in that church. The church was crowded. St. Andrew, the fool for Christ, was standing at the back of the church with his disciple Epiphanius. At four o'clock in the morning, the Most Holy Mother of God appeared above the people with a veil spread over her outstretched hands, as though to protect them with this covering. She was clad in gold-encrusted purple and shone with an unspeakable radiance, surrounded by apostles, saints, martyrs, and virgins. Seeing this vision, St. Andrew gestured towards it and asked Epiphanius, Do you see how the Queen and Lady of all is praying for the whole world? Epiphanius replied, Yes, Father, I see it, and stand in dread. As a result, this commemoration was instituted to remind us both of this event and of the Mother of God's constant protection whenever we prayerfully seek that protection, that shelter in distress. Now, it's interesting that this feast day, which is depicted by the icon but does not show Christ with Mary, which is unusual, this feast day of the protection of the Mother of God is one in which we get an indication of how the Eastern churches look at visions or revelations, either private or public. Many times I am asked, well, Father Tom, you're a Byzantine Catholic priest. Do the Byzantine churches, do they believe in things like Lourdes or Fatima or even Our Lady of Guadalupe? And my response is that it's not so much a matter of whether we accept or believe those particular revelations or not. We can. You are free to believe that. The criterion that the Eastern churches uses is something revealed that is public. In other words, the Eastern churches put stock in revelations in which more than one person can see them, such as the case here with the protection of the Mother of God. That's a classic case, just as we read from the Synaxarian. Andrew the fool is the first to see the Virgin Mary, but he turns to his friend and says, do you see what I see, <laughs> basically? And his friend says, yes, I do. And he says so with great dread because it was such an awesome, awesome vision. 
So if it's seen by many, if it's visible to many, the Eastern churches will put a lot more stock in it. If it's just a private revelation that no one else sees, only one person, you know, a seer reveals this, the Eastern churches tend to just be, well, I guess I'd say passive about it. In other words, they don't necessarily say you can't believe or that you should believe. They just, it's almost like they shrug it off, like, oh, well, it is whatever it is, who knows. But they put stock in what is more public. That's why, for instance, this feast is accepted in the liturgical calendar. What also happens in the Eastern churches, and I witnessed it myself, is that there are icons, particularly of the Mother of God, that do weep. In other words, there's this ointment that comes from them, oftentimes from her eyes and cascades down the icon, or it can be just from the entire icon itself, from her whole body that's depicted there. And I have seen some of these. Now, what's interesting about this is that, again, it's something that is public. It's something that is miraculous because every time this happens in in icons, they try to research it and find out where is this ointment coming from? Can it be explained by a natural phenomenon in any way? And they look and look and look, and believe me, they can't because the amount of oil that comes from these icons. Remember, these icons, especially as they're painted on wood in the churches, especially on the icon screens, they're just, just that. They're painted on wood. So how much oil can a piece of wood have? It's not going to be oil that suddenly flows out of this icon and flows just continuously, gallons of it over time. That's not going to happen with just a piece of wood. It cannot be explained naturally, yet it does happen. I've seen it happen. So the Eastern Church would look at this and say that there is something truly miraculous here. There is something being revealed here because everyone can see it. However, there are stories that some people actually, for some reason, their vision of being able to behold and see the ointment flowing from the icon the weeping icon, although everyone else can see it, there are some who actually, for some reason, their vision is withheld. They can't see it. I'm not sure what that means, but it does happen. I'm sure it means something. But by and large, the public can see it. So the Eastern churches will put stock in it. Now, what does it mean? That's always the next question. What does it mean when you have a weeping icon? Is it something bad? Is the Virgin Mary crying for us? Is she happy is she crying because she's, she's shedding tears because she's so joyful? <laughs> what is it? Well, again, the Eastern churches are very cautious about interpreting these things. They will say that the icons that weep are certainly calling us to a greater closeness to God, more self-reflection. They certainly produce wonderful things. They produce people coming to see these icons in great numbers and pilgrimage. People's lives are oftentimes changed. Their prayer is deepened. They're more self-reflective. They're more aware. They take greater stock in themselves, their lives, and what they're doing and where they should be going. They take greater stock in the call to pray more deeply. There's all kinds of changes that can occur when people are in the presence of weeping icons. So how do we interpret it? Do we interpret it specifically as a specific message? Well, not necessarily. I mean, we can. It's very characteristic of the Eastern churches. They tend not to get real specific about certain things like that. They'll allow it. In other words, it's kind of a spectrum. If you want to believe that, you can. We're not saying you should or shouldn't. But they do point to other things that we should be aware of. At the very least, a weeping icon is calling us to be closer to God, to the Mother of God, especially by transforming our lives the sacrament of confession, you know, of repentance, of renewal, and of prayer, and of taking stock about our lives. Are we living in a way that is truly holy? So the icons do have a message in a 
more universal way. What their specific message is, we can't necessarily say. However, when we return, I'll tell you what I think some of the messages were from some of these weeping icons. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. I'm Father Thomas Loya, a Byzantine Catholic priest of the Eparchy of Parma and host of the program Light of the East, heard on Spirit Catholic Radio. Join me in Omaha on Saturday, October 17th at the Spirit Catholic Radio Studios for a morning seminar focusing on the treasures of Eastern Catholicism and how the Church, as Pope St. John Paul II said, can breathe with both lungs. Doors open at 7.30 a.m. with a continental breakfast and the morning will conclude with Divine Liturgy. Tickets are just $5 and are available at Gloria Deo in Omaha, spiritcatholicradio.com, or at the door. That's the Light of the East Seminar, Saturday, October 17th, at the Spirit Catholic Radio Studios, 13326 A Street in Omaha. Come, be renewed by the Light of the East. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host, and we're talking today about the Mother of God and her protection, especially as we see that protection revealed in certain events or visions. And we're cautioning from the Eastern perspective what a vision means for the Eastern churches. It generally means something that is publicly seen, seen by many, not just by one person or one visionary. As I said, the Eastern churches would say, well, okay, you have the vision of a single visionary that nobody else knows about or sees, just they see it or they communicate it. You can believe in it if you want or whatever. In general, the Eastern churches would say that we don't acknowledge that officially. It has to be much more public, seen by all or just about all. In that case, the weeping icons are very significant. As I mentioned, I saw a few of them over these years, and a couple of them I saw in the area where I live. Our Light of the East studios are here in the Chicago area. Some years ago, there was an icon that wept that happened to be in an Albanian Orthodox church. It was St. Nicholas Albanian Orthodox Church in Chicago. In fact, it might still be weeping as far as I know, but this goes all the way back to the 80s. 
I remember taking a trip, a group of pilgrims, to see this weeping icon, and there was an endless line of people in prayer, very reverent, quiet, their lives being transformed. You see something like this, and you can't help but be jogged in some way. And that's the value of it, whether we know the exact message or not. Certainly there is a message of, come closer to Christ through me, the Virgin Mary. Reform your lives. Be more mindful, more prayerful. However, as I mentioned, this particular icon was in an Albanian Orthodox Church. And around that time, there was a great war that broke out in that region of the world where Albania is. It was a great war. It involved Albanians and Serbians, something that was a tension for many, many years, and it had to do with Christians and Muslims. And the residue of that still exists in that region today. It was a terrible war. It was a terrible thing. And here this icon was weeping at that time. Now another icon began to weep. The icon of the Mother of God began to weep in another church here in the Chicago area. It was in the town of Cicero, And that icon was at a Syrian Orthodox church. Now, right away, you should start thinking of that being rather familiar, or certainly a message there. It was weeping in a Syrian Orthodox church prior to the great, awful civil war that we are witnessing in Syria now, with all of these refugees. It's having an impact around the whole world, global significance to this war. And this icon in the Syrian Orthodox Church began to weep miraculously. In fact, they now call that icon Our Lady of Cicero. And again, I saw these icons. I have the ointments that came from these icons. The ointments are very fragrant. They look like an oil, but what exactly they are, we don't know. We can't really totally identify it and how it oozes. That's what it does. It oozes and eventually flows down the icon. How it does that can only be explained by something miraculous. So, although the Eastern churches are reticent to specifically say, well, this is what this means, at the same time, at least I personally, and the Eastern church does allow you to make your personal reactions to these visions, my personal reaction is such that I can't help seeing that the Mother of God was giving us warnings. She was expressing sorrow for us in advance of what would be terrible wars that would occur in our time. And so it was a call to repentance, a call to prayer, a call to vigilance of what would be coming. And I believe it happened through these miraculous icons. And there's one more, actually two more icons, but in one particular location. They happen to be in a Coptic Orthodox church. And it's a church that actually is right down the street from where I live. Now, where my home was from in Cleveland, Ohio, Seven Hills, Ohio. My mother still lives there. It was the home that I grew up in for most of my life. And down the street from that home is a Coptic Orthodox Church, a wonderful community there, a very vibrant community of Coptic Orthodox Christians. Now, Coptic means Egyptian. And lo and behold, in that church also, a few years ago, there were two icons that wept. And again, these icons, they all seem to be on the icon screen. Again, it's that barrier between the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, and the nave in Eastern churches. In this church, the Coptic Orthodox Church, the Egyptian church, an icon of the Mother of God and of Jesus Christ both wept. In fact, I remember being there for the first time, and the priest stood there. And as he was absorbing the ointment, the tears, he actually squeezed them out. He wrung out the cotton cloths he was using. He says, look, see, see how much is here. And he would actually distribute it to people in little pieces. I still have those pieces to this day. So these icons wept, both of them, which is very unusual, Christ and the Mother of God. And what happened in Egypt? Once again, civil war. 
much bloodshed, much heartache. And all these areas to this day, the area of Albania, Syria, Egypt, in fact, now the whole Middle East, is undergoing great, great crisis, great woundedness, great heartache, great bloodshed, most of which most people in America are not even aware of, except if you listen to Light of the East, because we do keep up with these things with our special guests like Juliana Tamarazzi from the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. So these icons, I can't help but interpreting them as certainly foreshadowings and warnings from our Blessed Mother, who is our mother. She teaches us. She protects us. She cries for us. Yes, she's in heaven, so she's happy, but she's crying in a sense on our behalf. She's trying to communicate to us to come to her son. See, this is what she's about. She's the intercessor. She draws our attention, cries for us, draws our attention to her own tears so that we will be directed, as is the case in her icons, to her son, to stop fighting, love one another, forgive one another. If not, there will be terrible consequences. And this is why she cries for those consequences that her children are enduring. They don't have to endure if they were to turn to her son and embrace what he was about. You know, there's one remedy, one remedy for all of the heartache, especially in the Middle East, all the bloodshed and the hate and the strife, which is profoundly affecting the whole world and seems to only be open to ever more disaster and tragedy. It's only one thing, forgiveness. That one thing that marks Christianity from everything else, our brand of forgiveness. Imagine if there could be forgiveness in those nations. They would eventually be at peace. They would with that one principle. So our mother of God, she cries through her icons miraculously to draw us to Christ and his message and example of forgiveness is the way to peace and love. How else does the mother of God protect us? Well, we've seen different times in different parts of history that she has interceded for us, especially providentially enough, and relevantly enough today, in the wars in which Islam tried to overtake Christian Europe. There were three particular battles that helped repel Islam from overtaking Christian Europe, something that they're still attempting to do even now in various ways. It's just the way that it is. We have to accept that. We have to accept that and not be afraid to identify that, but it's how we respond to it that makes all the difference. We have to respond as Christians respond to things. But in the past, they had to respond with military might. There were three battles. They happened in the 17th and 16th centuries in Europe, mostly in the area of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And these miraculous battles kept Islam from overrunning Europe. They were miraculous because the Christian armies were outnumbered, outgunned. And they prayed to the Mother of God. And in each case, three significant battles. Battle of Vienna, the Battle of Zenta, and the Battle of Lepanto. Those three battles were won by the Christians only because they prayed for the intercession of the Mother of God. They were miraculous victories. In fact, in one of them, the Pope begged everyone to say the rosary. So imagine the whole Catholic Church, all the Christians and Catholics at that time of Europe were praying the rosary. And during that time, especially, for instance, in the Battle of Lepanto, it was a naval battle, the winds shifted in such a way that were to the advantage of the Christian navy. And they are able to repel Islam from overcoming Europe. So she does intercede for us in that way, but there's other ways she intercedes as well. Through her iconography, through the liturgy of the church, a mother of God, she is made present. And she intercedes for us by 
showing us the way. In fact, there's an icon that actually means that, showing the way. It's an icon, the mother of God. Her left hand is holding Christ in her arm, and her right arm is gesturing towards Christ, and she's looking out straight at us. And Jesus is looking straight out at us as well, blessing us. This icon is called in English the icon showing the way. She shows us the way to Christ. She is like Jacob's ladder. That was a foreshadowing of the mother of God in the Old Testament. Jacob's ladder. She connects heaven and earth. Heaven and earth are connected through her, through her very womb. And so her intercession is a constant one. That's why in our prayers in the Byzantine church, we call her the constant intercessor. She intercedes for us in direct ways and also in implicit ways through the iconography and liturgy of the church. Is to her that we turn, the mother of God, our constant intercessor and protector. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Willcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!